Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome on into the Sunday Smash, presented by State Farm Agent Russ Voorhis. I'm Aslan Hajavandi, joined by managing editor of WordChant.com, the ultimate Seminole sports source, Iris Chauffel. Check out his work over at WordChant.com, including a 3-2-1 forthcoming uh, all over at the website. Big recruiting news. We'll talk about that as well, right, Ira? Big five-star flip. It is. But we come to you courtesy of our good friend Russ Voorhis, a fervent florida state fan and supporter also a state farm agent that can hook you up if you're not only in florida but elsewhere in the uh, southeast of this great land of ours yeah definitely florida georgia and alabama basically anywhere in those states his offices is two offices over in the jacksonville area uh so if you live in that part of the state you know you can go see him in person otherwise you can go to the website russforhis.com and get uh you know consultations uh, quote uh more information and then they'll set up a one-on-one setting and you can uh, see if he can handle any of your insurance needs. Russ is a great guy and uh, we appreciate him supporting the show. Absolutely. Well said, Ira. Florida State, fourth in both polls still, holding steady after that 38-20 victory over Duke on Saturday night. Uh, What what an amazing electric crowd. Everybody give yourselves a hand, pat on the back uh, if you were inside Doe Campbell Stadium on Saturday night. Uh, Ira, how did that game end up playing out for you? I don't know if that's the way you saw it. You wanted to go 31-10. to I had twenty four seventeen. Um, I don't know if anybody hit the really the bullseye on there, but do we have maybe a better idea of what this team is, who they are, and how impressed were you by Florida State's resiliency throughout that one? Definitely impressed by the resiliency. I mean, that you know, if you had to kind of diagram the 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 path for Duke to beat Florida State at Doe Campbell Stadium to get their first win in the series uh, in twenty two tries, uh, you know, I think the first quarter, maybe the first half, is probably how you would have had to script it you know florida state would have to maybe do some things to help duke out which they did they went forward on the fourth down at their own 36 yard line and, and didn't get it and then duke punches that in for well, didn't punch in but they got three points out of that they also got a pick six in the first half so again you kind of gave them 10 points and that's you can't do that that's what duke has done to all these other that's how they beat clemson um but i thought what was impressive was that florida state was resilient um and they kept battling back they didn't panic um, you know, they just started playing better and you could criticize the way they came out and played the first quarter, or you can give credit to Duke. I, I, I you know, you and I talked about it before the game and, and during the week, I, I was not 
you know, bullish on Duke. I mean, I thought that their defensive statistics were very overrated because of who they played. They Four of the six teams they played had offenses in the top – or excuse me, outside the top 100 in the country. Um, and the two that were inside the top 100 were around 40 or 50. So it wasn't like they were doing that against good offenses. But I thought they were pretty legit. I mean, they, that was a good defense. Um, they didn't – I don't think they stoned Florida State. Most of the, the drives were Florida State kind of things didn't go – uh, they didn't execute or they didn't score was maybe they got to a third and one or, or a, a third and short or a fourth and short and didn't convert. But it wasn't like they were in second and long or third and long all day. But but I thought Duke played well and Florida State helped them out early, but really kind of uh, solidified it. And then to win by 18 points at the end of the day uh, speaks to how explosive they can be when they get it going. Yeah. Um. Do you think the, the perfect games, I don't know if the perfect games are the right term, but like this complete game, best game like is it ever going to come and i'm and i'm not saying that like in a derogatory way like i'm i'm just kind of i'm comfortable with their station in life i just feel they'll be able to grind out games when it comes to that situation i don't think the next two weeks are going to be grind out affairs but miami and florida set up that way possibly and i just feel florida state's probably more talented better coach and they'll be able to figure out a way through those games or are you still hunting that perfect storm if you will for this team yeah, I mean, I think the the only way you have a dominant game for four quarters to me is if you have a just tremendous talent advantage, experience advantage uh, over the team you're playing. And, and, you know, most often that's not really the case. Now, uh, you know, they did do that against Syracuse. Uh, you know, you're talking about maybe a, a period of a quarter or something like that where they didn't play very well. But for the most part, they did that against Syracuse. They obviously did it against Southern Miss. But I don't think you're going to – I mean, I don't know if people are expecting that to happen against top 20 opponents. It's This is not that Florida State team to me. You know, I just I, – this is not a team that's just going to overwhelm the opposition. So you wanted to play well, obviously, um, and they didn't play that great in the first half. They had to play better in the second half, which they did. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I get it. I understand people want to see, like, excellence from the first snap to the last snap. I just don't know how often you see them. You watch college football. You watch a lot of college football. You probably watch more than I do. Um, and I don't know, man, how many teams are doing that? I mean, you could say Michigan, but then people will counter with, like, who's Michigan playing? So, yeah, that's it's not happening. I mean, Georgia, again, you know, barely eked by Auburn. They were struggling against Vanderbilt. Uh, we know Alabama struggles. Texas lucked out to skate right. past Houston this past weekend. So did Washington. Oklahoma against UCF. Washington was on the ropes down the stretch against Arizona State. So and oh, listen, Ohio State. I don't. They're. I don't think they're ranked in. Are they ranked ahead of Florida State in these polls? They are. They're three. Yeah. I mean, them and Michigan will figure. You know, they'll they'll settle that score. But like, is anybody scared about Kyle McCord and that? You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Amazing, but otherwise, eh. I mean, that quarterback. You got a better quarterback than all those teams that we pretty much just talked about. So it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. You know, it's weird though. I, you know, I, I understand some of the frustrations though, because, you know, again, you go back and watch, you know, the first, you know, the, their long touchdown run. I mean, Florida State just, it's a terrible run fit. You know, the, you basically, nobody was out there to get contained. Jared verse played inside and he crashed kind of inside. The linebacker got caught inside. And then the cornerback Ventral Cypress kind of takes an inside angle and, and he gets caught inside. So it's just like, I get that. You basically gave them the edge uh, to where they could score a 44-yard touchdown. That's not what you want to do. But I also think, man, I mean, I'm not throwing up my hands and saying that's just football, but kind of, you know, the other team's scheming it up too, you know. Yeah. 
And listen, man, Duke, that's a good team. That's a veteran, veteran sound, I thought. Yeah. well-coached team, man. Crazy thing is, I think more people have watched the Mike Elko interview on our YouTube channel than the Mike Norvell interview. And I was like, I love this guy. He's great. <laughs> uh, they play hard for him, man. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a pretty great coach, man. Yeah, and I, I actually ran into a couple of people around the program last night, um, just on the way out of the stadium. Uh, people, you know, part of the program. And uh, they said the same thing, man. They were very impressed by Duke. Um, they thought they had a great game plan. They thought they uh, – um, you know, the, those older guys that, you know, we talked about all week that, you know, you got a bunch of 23, 24, 25 year old guys. It does mean a difference. There's something to, you know, grown man strength. I mean, they've had an extra, you, you've got a guy that's played in a college weight room for six, seven years. There's some strength that goes to it. So even may, though they may not have the overall athletic ability. Um, you know, they, that's a, that's a good team. I, I looked at the roster during the week, I think 40 something players on the roster, which is, you know, maybe a hundred, 110, something like that names. We're seniors or graduate players. Uh, this isn't to make excuses. It's just to explain how Duke did this. They've got, I think Matt did a story during the week. They've got seven impact transfers um, and, you know, a lot of experience, and they, they played well. Yeah. All right, let's take some of the questions from you fine folks here on YouTube. A reminder, too, if you could hit that thumbs up, that would be really appreciated. Uh, so, yeah, do it. Brett Taylor, my burning question slash biggest concern, why can't we cram the ball down the throat of an opponent on third and two at midfield, Ira? So, Aslan, when do you think the last time Florida State was doing that? 2013? Maybe 14? I mean, I, honestly, like, they – I mean, they didn't do that last year either. Um, and it would have been cool if they did because that was the whole thing last year was, you know, you know, Mike Norvell gets too cute in the red zone and down near the goal line. And because – and it was, you know, it was because they couldn't cram the ball down somebody's throat. And uh, they still can't do it. I mean, I think we thought maybe when they brought in these three new offensive linemen – uh, they were older, another, you know, more experienced guys, Casey Roddick, uh, uh, Keandre Jones and, and, uh, Jeremiah Byers, that maybe those guys combined with the guys you had coming back would give you that offensive line. I just don't think it's there. And, 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 you know, I, they ran the ball at times last night. It wasn't like they didn't run the ball ever. Um, uh, but yeah, short yardage, they just, they can't get it done. Now is that, I don't know, is that how much that is on the running backs? Clearly, uh, the offensive line. I mean, there were. I think on the. I think on Trey Benson's fourth and one carry, you know, the defensive end just gets by Jeremiah Byers like in an instant, and you know, makes you know the play in the backfield. I mean, that's not Trey Benson's fault. I don't know if it's just one guy's fault. I don't know if that's a scheme issue or what. But but clearly, they. I, I get the frustration, but it's just we thought it might come this year, but I don't think it's. It's just clearly not going to come. I don't. It doesn't seem to me. And even before Mike was calling plays with Kenny, right? They would do a lot of wildcat in those sort yes. of situations, yeah. wasn't to it? To get right? numbers, yep. Yeah. Yeah, to so, get numbers. So that's – yeah, and, and I think that's the – you know, I think the idea of being able to run Jordan more in those situations could help. But, um, but yeah, man, I thought – again, Duke's – I thought Duke's defensive line was very good. I mean, I, they rolled in a bunch of dudes, and I thought they all brought something different. They had some fast guys, and they had some big space eaters. Um yeah. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. You would like to think that Florida State could run the ball on third and one or fourth and one, and uh, they haven't done it. You mentioned Jordan running the ball. Uh, that's obviously a big topic right now with, uh, I guess, how limited we saw it used and deployed in, in previous games. And listen, on all the on the programs we would talk about leading up to the season, we would just talk about how difficult it's going to be to defend against this offense for 60 minutes. And so much of it, at least for me, was – because we know Jordan can run the ball uh, and not so much like design runs for Jordan, but 
read option stuff or you know giving up on a play and, and making it your making it happen yourself. Man, that was the closest that we've seen him deploy his full skill set since I think maybe like the Florida game. Uh, or what do you take away yeah. from it? Like, is it a one off? Is it was it something that was you know maybe I don't want to say force, but kind of something that was you know underlined to to emphasize in that fourth quarter to get things going, or was it just kind of you know it just happened? The game played out that way for Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I asked Norvell that last night. He wasn't very forthcoming. It was a pretty short answer. Um, you know, I I don't think. I don't think they would acknowledge either that Jordan wasn't healthy or, and he may still not be healthy or they don't want to acknowledge that they need to do that. Um, almost like it's uh, admitting that they can't run the ball traditionally or they can't uh, move the football without using that weapon. But man, it's a different team. There's no doubt. I mean, we've all felt like that all year, like for six weeks, you know, we've all been saying that, man, if they, if they could just get Jordan running a little bit, it would open so many things up. And then sure enough, they do that on that one drive. When he started running the ball in that one drive when they're down 20 to 17 and they take the lead, I mean, it was the game was over. I mean, you it almost felt like you could tell there Duke was gonna have no answers once Jordan started running the football. Um, and he only carried it 10 times. It wasn't like he ran it 25 times in the second half, but it, but just enough to to get those, you know, to move the chains and get the defense on their heels, because that's kind of felt like in the first half was in a few of those drives, the offense just couldn't get going. It felt like it was stuck in mud. And Jordan, I think, can do that. Now, the question is whether or not, you know, I don't know if you have to do that in some of these other games. They're a 20-point favorite against Wake Forest, so I don't know if you need to do it in that game. Um, and I also don't know how healthy he is. So, But it, it, doesn't, it definitely – we thought it would look different, and it did look different, right? Yeah, yeah. Florida man in Texas dropping 50 bucks in the jar. Thanks, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, Florida man in Texas. We'd all like our Noles to look like the Kansas City Chiefs, which I think they just eked out a win. So, I mean, they won't be like 24-17. I mean, Florida State's scoring over 30 points every game. So, right. speak for yourself, Florida man. Uh, but, hey, at least we don't have to hear about Taylor Swift during every broadcast. Go Noles, <laughs> hashtag, finish the climb. Um, uh, you almost think that we had it planned out to do it this way, uh, Florida man in Texas. But did you see this? Did you see this, Ira? Um, over on Twitter, uh, the first lady of America in some corners hanging out with, uh, I did <laughs> with, uh, uh, Bernie, Bernie Kozar. I yeah. mean, somebody give him like, uh, some straws to chew on or something. <laughs> so it isn't bite his own tongue off. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, Bernie, Bernie's had an interesting life, I think. And, uh, yeah, so I guess that's a real thing, right? Like the, the first couple weeks, man, I thought it was, maybe it was a publicity stunt or something. Although, some people came back and were like, who needs, does the NFL need publicity? Does Taylor Swift need publicity? That's fair enough. Um, but it seems to be the real deal. Hmm. Thank you, Florida man in Texas. Uh, Austin Flowers, your thoughts on game day possibly coming to Tallahassee for the Miami game? I'll pull up the schedule here, Ira. It's it's looking a little bit more favorable for Florida State, especially after Penn State lost to Ohio State, to Ohio State this past weekend. But that still is the same week that uh, Michigan goes to Happy Valley and mm. plays Penn State. Uh, but that game is on. Um, yeah. And it lost a little bit of luster. And it lost a little bit of luster. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you taught Washington, but they've already been in Washington. So, I mean, I guess if Miami holds serve the next two weeks, that makes it a little bit more favorable. Um, yeah. I think if Miami keeps winning and Florida State keeps winning, you got a shot. Um, yeah. I mean, Michigan. 
I mean, they're, you know, it's obviously a hot story, but like you said, the game's on Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, at least I mean, it would... Ole Miss, Georgia. I mean, Ole Miss kind of has the, the driver's seat. Well, no, cause Alabama's only got the, the one loss. Um, I was going to say that that might be like a preview almost of the SEC championship game, but I don't know if they'll go to Ole Miss, Georgia, but yeah, certainly that's, that's the last and only hope for Florida state to get game day here, uh, would be for the Miami game. So, uh, but it looks better. It looks encouraging. And you, you figure you got these two manageable games against Wake Forest and Pitt this coming these next two weeks. So you should be right. in a great position for that. Florida state fan, 1993 with 10 bucks in the jar. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Or ma'am. Uh, can we get an explanation on why Jordan Travis has been super hesitant to run and uh, and we, he, and why he seems hesitant to hit underneath routes, the underneath routes, man. What, Where's the drag route at, man? I want some drag routes. I want some square ends, Ira. Um, I love Johnny Wilson and Keon's deep shots, but underneath is an option too. Go Knowles. I mean, I think FSU fan, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, If you watch that game, I thought they really did. I mean, Jordan threw a ton over the middle, uh, hit the tight ends a ton. Um, I mean, Jaheim Bell was the leading receiver with eight catches. Uh, Morlock caught up pass. Keaston Douglas caught passes. Um, Didn't do much with the slot receivers, but – Destin Hill also didn't play. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think that has been a concern somewhat this season, but the way Duke played, it kind of opened up that other underneath stuff. Duke played a lot of two high safeties and uh, they weren't, I seemed like they were not going to let Keon or Johnny, you know, get the streaking, you know, 60 yard completions. They did a pretty good job on that and partly by scheme. Um, and so force it countered by doing a good job of the tight ends. As far as being hesitant to run, man, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a slight. If I had to put it, I'd say it's seventy five percent, eighty percent, him not being healthy, and then wanting to make sure he's healthy, and not leaning on that and risking him getting hurt, and then maybe a twenty percent or fifteen or twenty percent is more just trying to kind of not have that be the focal point of the offense. Um, I just, I don't think that's what they want this offense to be. Um, but, but also, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not just that he's not healthy, but also kind of keeping him healthy. So I think they're going to be judicious with it. I think it was good in this game if they needed it, but I don't know if they're going to, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they beat Wake Forest next week and they can beat them without Jordan running it. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't run it much. Hmm. Um, let's go to Hal Weaver here. This was the thesis for a potential Corey Clark column, but you know, thankfully everything worked out to where it didn't have to be, but Hal wonders here, Ira, uh, any concern uh, that Hal has that you could echo about that at some point, some of this aggressiveness on fourth down and and being unable to convert is going to cost Florida state a game. Yeah, man, it certainly could. Um, You know, I think it happened at Oregon um, to some degree, at least, you know, you can make that argument. I mean, they're lost to Washington. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I didn't have a problem at all with the first one. I don't think anybody had a problem with the first one. The, doing it at fourth and one at the 36, it felt a little too cavalier against a team that's a good, solid team. Now, Norvell may have thought that they could score. May, you know, he. we don't know what's going through his mind. Like the, we, we clearly knew a week ago at Syracuse when he was doing it, some of those aggressive decisions, that it was easy to surmise that he knew Syracuse could not move the football. 
So he could take those chances and it wasn't going to hurt them because here they went for it was fourth and four at the four, fourth and goal at the four, whatever it was against Syracuse. And he knew there was no way Syracuse was going to drive nice six yards the way their offense is constructed right now. This is different. Uh, you know, even though Riley Leonard wasn't hundred percent, but you wonder if he thought in his mind that Florida state was much better than Duke, you know? And I, so maybe he doesn't do it against Florida and Gainesville, but I don't know, man, at this point, maybe he does do it. I mean, and it, I, but I'll, you know, is it going to cost him a win? It could, but it also could win him a game. I mean, it's a, this is a, aren't we where this is like just a philosophical thing with certain coaches now, or they're going to do what they're going to do and it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And, we can all argue about it. Yeah, I mean, he's shown that he's going to be aggressive on this stuff. And, I mean, since uh, he's been here, right? I mean, yeah. it's and there's nothing that really hasn't. I mean, it's in game; it has, but it hasn't cost them yet. So, like, yeah, the law of average at some point it will. You just hope it's not, you know, a game in Charlotte that costs you going to the playoff. Like, you know, save it. You know, defer it to next year against you know whomever at that point. But let's see. I think the be clean. I think the maddest, you know, a lot of people were obviously really mad that you, that NC State game here a couple of years ago where they went for it and the, that game got out of hand. Um, you know, I think that they were were down four, down seven, something like that, or down three or four, and then they he went for it on their own side and ended up turning into a two-score game because uh, he went for it on his own side of the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely can backfire. Cody Carnline in the house dropping Alexander Hamilton in the jar. Thanks, Code. Can Thanks, Cody. Code? Uh, Cody says, I thought Braden Fisk was the master of disaster last night. Great game by him. He did play well. Um, you know, that whole defensive line did, you know, if you look at their, their production by snap count, it's really impressive. I mean, I think he had, um, I think he had five tackles and he was on the field for 39 plays. I mean, that's, that's pretty good production. Jared verse was on the, or he was on the field 36 plays. Jared verse had four or five tackles. He was only on the field for 30 739 plays. Um, I believe Patrick Payton was very productive for not being on the field more than four. No defensive lineman was on the more than, field more than 40 plays, more than 39 plays. And they all had, you know, four or five tackles. Fabian Levitt had two tackles for loss. Fabian Levitt was only on the field for 25 snaps and he had two tackles for loss. And the, one of them was huge. So that whole line played really well. But yeah, I think Fisk definitely um, uh, played well. I, you know, the, I thought his special teams, special teams Fisk too. Yeah, he did. He had the block on the uh, uh, Deuce fans long kickoff return. Um, I thought Braden Fisk's Braden Fisk's answer was interesting when I talked to him. I asked him about the rotation on defensive line and how much that helped, and he said, um, "He said, yeah, that's part of it, but also like we just decided, like we were done with that. Like you know, basically in the second half, he didn't think it was just. He thought." Duke was very physical with them and brought the fight to them. And he thought in the second half, they brought the fight more. Now that leads to the question from a lot of people who will be like, well, why didn't you guys bring the fight in the first half? And I mean, it's, I, I guess that's just what you do. They're humans. Everybody they're humans. They're, they're, they're not robots after all here. Oh, uh, let's see right here. There's one I wanted to get to kind of pop it up here. Um, let's talk about Armando Blunt real quick, Ira, or maybe not even real quick. Yeah. Uh, LJ McCray goes to Florida, commits on, on Saturday. Armando Blunt, who I I don't know, has he reclassified or he plans on reclassifying possibly to 2024? Yeah, I mean, I think he plans to um, from everything we've heard. His family, or his mother, I think had told Michael that before, and that's been the talk. And and uh, I think there's a, another report 
that it sounds like that's what's going to happen. And, and, you know, again, like sometimes that has to actually happen. Sometimes players want to, but they can't always. But, yeah, he's classified right now for 2025. He's planning to reclassify for 2024, which means he would be part of this class that's that they already have right now that's a number six class in the country. And he's a five-star defensive lineman. I mean, he's – I mean, as big as it gets. Um, I think, uh, yeah, and he was – he committed to Miami, but Florida State was definitely in it uh, the whole way. A lot of people thought Florida State was going to get him the first time. He committed to Miami. He's from Miami. plays at Miami Central. And uh, But, you know, people around FSU kept saying the whole time that they felt like they had a chance to get back in there. And then, sure enough, he came, came up this weekend and uh, flipped to the Knowles. It's huge. I mean, because they really need defensive line – uh, recruits. I mean, they just have not, um, they've got some, uh, but I think that's a position where, you know, people were hoping that they would do a little bit better. And like you said, they lost LJ McRae. So this is a, a huge flip for them. And especially if he shows up in 2024. Not sure what's going on with the screen here, everybody. He's not a no star. He's a five star. He's consensus five star. He's also like the number one player in Florida, according to pretty much every single yeah. service out there. So, uh, don't let uh, what's on the screen there kind of fool you there. I'm trying to pull up his uh, highlights from his sophomore season because that's uh, shows just how good he is. But I don't know. I mean, there there might have been some hesitation from the fan base. It seems like everybody's clearly on on Mike Norvell's side with with good reason. He's proven that you know he can coach and, and rebuild this thing. But you know, this is maybe one of those another piece of that puzzle is being able to recruit like that that blue chip high school football player that you know Hakeem Williams is, but. Uh, maybe building some momentum and especially stealing a kid from Miami, always a good kind of combination. Even, yeah. And even more so than Hakeem, because, you know, you're talking about a six, six, 270 pound uh, defensive lineman who I think wants to play defensive end or, or that's a possibility still can play defensive end or could end up being a defensive tackle. Um, I mean, the comparisons that have been thrown out there by people that cover recruiting are very high and yeah, these are the guys. I mean, def- elite defensive linemen are the hardest players to get, and elite offensive tackles probably are the two hardest things to get because there's everybody wants them. Uh, you can get a Hakeem Williams because there's a lot of great receivers out there. I mean, it was a great get for FSU, but that's more possible than to go out and get um, you know big time five star defensive linemen that everybody would like to get. So yeah, it's a huge man. It's and that's you know this is the thing. Like we talk about this team. And we talk about why they don't play a complete game or why they're not blowing out everybody. These are the kinds of guys, like, to me, when you have a team, like, that's what 2013 was. Like, 2013 was a team of elite, blue-chip, five-star talents. Maybe some four-stars also, but, man, it was – you didn't have – this wasn't like journeymen, you know, guys that have been in college football football for four or five years, which is what this team has a good bit of. They're good players but they're not that superstar level. And this guy, at least, you know, by all the recruiting services is definitely that. Uh, Corey and I have talked about this. I'm sure you guys have talked about this on headlines. I'd like to hear you uh, speak on this one. Eric Baker says, why is it okay to criticize Adam Fuller, but not Alex Atkins? The offensive line is okay, but he's been here for years and he's supposed to be one of the best O-line coaches in the country. Shouldn't the O-line be better? Uh, I mean, no, there's, you certainly can criticize the offensive line um, and you could c- certainly criticize Alex Atkins. I think the the perception or the, the the belief a lot of us has is he's doing a good job with what he's got. Um, you know, again, you look at the guys that they've, they've got on this offensive line who have been for Florida State for four years. These were not guys that were like highly recruited. Darius Washington was not highly recruited. 
Uh, Maurice Smith was not super highly recruited. Robert Scott was not super highly recruited. Um, you know, they're, and they've turned into good, solid college football players. But I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be like Alabama's offensive line. And then the guys you brought in to, to, to fill out the lineup, you're talking – I mean, Demetri Emanuel, remember when they got Demetri Emanuel from Charlotte? They waited. And, they waited a long time to take him, man. Yeah, I mean, and so he's he was a good player at Charlotte, but he was not a superstar. You bring him in – and I'm not trying to run these guys down. I just think we need to be realistic of what they had. Their offensive line, when, you know, I was talking to somebody this week and we were in the press box and there was a picture of James Blackman on the wall. And I said to, you know, somebody, I was like, imagine if James Blackman had even this offensive line, you know? I mean, like James Blackman, DeAndre Francois, and those guys had no prayer with the offensive line Florida State was rolling out there for two or three years. It was the worst. It was literally the worst offensive line in the country. Remember, we look at the PFF grades and like every single guy was like in the, after a thousand among the the players in the FBS. So what Alex Atkins and Mike Norvell have done, they've taken that and turned it into a, a solid offensive line. Now, can they be the next step? Well, they signed a bunch of guys a couple of years ago, Jalen Early, Julian Armella. Um, you know, they've signed some, and those guys now are in their second year in the program. I think theoretically, as those guys get older, maybe that's what you'll have. But this is, and so they've been kind of band-aiding it you had the guys that have been here for three or four years that they've developed four or five years. They've developed into solid players. And then you brought in some transfers who were solid players. Casey Roddick was a good solid player at Colorado, was not a superstar. Uh, Jeremiah Byers was a UTEP. He was a solid player, was not a superstar. Uh, Keandre Jones wasn't even in the starting lineup the last time I checked when he was at Auburn. So again, you brought in some experienced guys, but I don't know that any of them are like surefire, big-time NFL players. So I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you can flip an offensive line that quick. I mean, I think it's coming, but I think solid's probably solid to above average is probably, I think, about as good as you could hope for. I don't know what you think, Asa. Yeah, no, it's. I don't, I just don't know why would you want to criticize Alex Atkins? Like, what what is he well, doing? It's, you know, I get it goes back to the idea of why can't you run on third and short? You know, well, you know. You had one of them. I mean, the fourth down that Jordan, you know, got rule. I know mean, that was in the third and two, but you know, it was a fourth, yeah. fourth and one, and you probably should have got it. But I mean, yeah. point taken. Um, I just don't yeah, know I would say I would. Yeah, that's a good point. On Jordan's run, he 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 was part of the problem. It looked like to me, he kind of rushed into the block and wasn't really. They were trying to rush that play because it looked like Duke wasn't ready. I think if he had been a little more patient, I think he might be. He might be get maybe gets it. That wasn't all on the offensive line. Uh, thanks for being here watching the Sunday Smash presented by Russ Voorhis, State Farm Agent. Contact Russ Voorhis for an auto quote today. Top 10 all-time chime. Like you know, the Netflix chimes up there. I don't, you know, but like the, the state farm chimes makes you feel good. So uh, check out Russ at his website, Russ Voorhis, V-O-R-H-I-S.com, Jacksonville Beach, Orange Park locations, but get you covered even if you're in Alabama or Georgia. Uh, give a holler to Russ, supporting the program, not this program, the, the program that you all care about, the Florida State football program and the athletics as a booster. So uh, give a shout out to Russ over there. Uh, Brian Beers, what the fudge? FSU drops from fourth to sixth in the latest polls over at ESPN. Sounds a lot like the announcer speculating about a 
weakened ACC during the telecast last night. Look at this. Things to not worry about, Brian, uh, would be <laughs> this ranking on ESPN uh, because they have Ohio State at one, which hopefully most of you saw parts of that game against Penn State. Penn State's third. They've lost the game. Alabama's fifth. They've lost the game. Oklahoma skated barely past, uh, not skated, they eked past UCF. So um, I don't know what goes into the FPI, but yeah, that's that's what it shows. Florida State, but they're up three though. Apparently, it shows that they got a green arrow uh, with the with the three firing up there. So um, I don't know. It's a yeah. It's it's. Uh, I mean that the FPI has always been the. I mean the most suspect of any of the rate rankings out there. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I've, I've given up on that one. That one's a, not well, the best. Their resume one, their SOR strength of record, Florida state's two. So that's, that's a little bit more favorable. Uh, they're ahead of teams like Oklahoma, Washington, Alabama, Texas, Ole Miss, Georgia. So uh, pick the ones to, that makes you feel better. That, you know, confirms your bias, Brian, don't pick the ones that make you upset, friend. I also, I also like that. We've got like the fractions of the fan base, on one side who are like, why won't they play a complete game? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And then the other sides are like, why doesn't anybody respect us? Why don't they put respect on our name? And it's like, okay, well, maybe we can figure out how to get the FSU fans, uh, or at least the vocal ones, to uh, enjoy being 7-0. FSU fan, you don't have to constantly throw money at us, uh, but we appreciate it. He puts 10 bucks back in the jar. Uh, I think he's speaking for the people out there. I he was trying to the issue he thinks with coach Norvell's fourth and short calls on the minus side of the field, Florida state side of the field is not the decision to go for it, but the type of plays that are being called or should our master punter pin him deep. Yeah. With, with the defense he got too. That's a, that's a, a I just, I don't know. I think obviously fourth down is such it's, it's a make or break down. So the, the plays are that much more scrutinized. I don't know how many, yeah, coaches have better fourth down plays in their bag than, than Mike does. But I, I mean, I, I understand yeah. some of it, but at the same time, he brings in Jaheim bell to do a fourth and one, like on a, on a wildcat or they do DJ Lundy, but then Lundy gets Lundy gets stuffed. And you're like, well, he's being cute. Right. So it's this whole really it's tough to win. Yeah. I don't, I mean, the only thing I see that seems to consistently work is the tush push. And, um, but I don't know, like not everybody does it. I don't really know why, coaches decide to do it or not do it. Um, but yeah, no, my, I actually, I took more issue the, with the, the, just the decision in general. I just felt like, again, like if you look at how Duke has beat teams, it's by you helping them. And I thought taking that risk there helped them just like, you know, Jordan's pick six. I mean, you can blame Jordan for the throw. Obviously he's the quarterback. He had the ball in his hands. Man, you're backed up inside your 10 yard line at that situation. I'm just, if, I mean, again, I, I just feel like, man, get the ball out of that. So, where your punter's got room to kick, you've got a punter with a real strong leg. He's punted 50, 60 yarders, and then make them drive the field and see what happens. I think if, if you've got better players than the other team, and I feel like Florida State overall does have better players than Duke, I don't know that you need to force the issue all the time. And, you know, sometimes I think that aggressiveness can work against you. And again, like if you if they had gone with the mindset of playing a little bit more field position, then I feel like maybe they wouldn't have gotten in that hole. But then again, I mean a lot of us used to rip Jimbo for for playing field position in those situations. So I guess yeah. it's uh, it is what it is. Well, I mean he's going to be aggressive on fourth down. He's also going to be aggressive when he's got a six-year quarterback on on a right. third and twelve. And because I mean they converted, I think a third and twelve or like a third and eleven later in that game to Johnny. So it's but again you know he wasn't backed up in, in his, his end zone. So, but, yeah. 
Um, yeah, we get it. It's, it's valid. You know, we're just talking about it here on the smash. How about our guy Z Chan? The good Z Chan. Uh, very clever with his tip in the jar. Thirty-eight dollars twenty cents. Too bad. Too too bad they didn't win seventy-five to something. Z Chan would have done it too. I can I can almost assure you, you would have done. Appreciate it. you, Z Chan. Uh, do you expect Jordan keeping the ball on reads to increase following this week? It was pretty amazing how much the entire game opened up after that. The screen call was perfect. That that was. If you I, I could yeah. hear Ira like Ira's two seats down from me and like when it when it all started clearing up and he's like, oh, it's like yeah, <laughs> that was great. That was really good. Yeah, that was good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I don't know. What do you, what's your opinion, Aslan? I th- I don't. I just think they're going to do it when they need to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they'll do it a little bit more against Pitt just to have Miami fear it a little bit more, have that in the back of their head. But I I mean, I understand you need to preserve and protect Jordan Travis and you don't want him running the ball and taking unnecessary hits. But at the same time, like one of the times that he ran the ball, he didn't even get knocked down to the ground. Like five mm-hmm. guys pinballed off of him. Uh, like he normally doesn't take bad shots when he's running. I mean, the, the Boston College game, he fell awkwardly. But like when he got hurt in Louisville last year, that was being in the pocket. Uh, when he hurt, he got his hand banged right. up the other week. I mean, that was him being in the pocket. So I, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I'd, I'd like to see him run the ball more. Like I don't, I'd like to see more design runs or just you know maybe a little bit more assertive on the on the read option stuff because we saw no. that when he kept right. that one and he busted right. Duke was totally stunned. Yeah. No, I definitely think. Um, I yeah, I definitely like to see him. I mean, if the if the read is to keep it you'd like to see him keep it because it does nobody any good. If the defensive ends crashing down, it doesn't look good to give him the, to give it to the running back. That just doesn't make any sense. Even if Jordan's not going to get a big gain, you just, it's, it's the right read. Um, yeah. I mean, Jimbo used to say it all the time. I don't know if he ever had a statistical analysis or it was just, he was just saying it, but he would, he always felt like quarterbacks more often get hurt in the pocket than when they do when they're scrambling. And obviously if you're running, you've got a better idea of, what's coming and you can decide when you're going to slide or go down. Jordan maybe could have been a little bit more, a uh, little less brave in that game, but I think he was feeling himself, especially once he, he, you know, the way the game was playing out. And uh, there's a couple, once or twice last night, I got a little nervous for him. Yeah. Um, well, there's anti Fowler one. I missed it. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh hog watcher asked earlier, do you think we lose Fabian Lovett, Jared verse, Patrick Payton, Joshua farmer, Braden Fisk, and Daryl Jackson to the, to, I guess after this year, I will say to the draft, I would think the draft. Wow. Um, well, you're definitely losing love it. He's he'll be out of and fit love it. And Fisk, I'm pretty sure are done with eligibility. Um, so that leaves verse probably I, I, you know, I mean with the, in the, in the world of the NIL, who knows who can say, but, uh, I would, I would assume Jared verse probably wants to move on and play professional football. Um, I think, Daryl Jackson, man, I really think he needs to play a year of football. Um, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but I do think in an NIL world, I mean, there's no guarantee. I, as on you probably more watch, you definitely watch more NFL than I do, and you pay more attention to the draft. I mean, is Daryl Jackson with a couple years of film going to be a sure draft pick it, it, to the point where he would make like guaranteed money? 
Yeah, no, I mean, wouldn't it be like a, a, a day two pick, I wouldn't think. Um, even if he comes back, I mean, if, if he comes back and they win the national championship, I mean, he would have to do just something absolutely monstrous. I mean, like yeah. three TFLs in the semifinal game, a, a sack fumble. I mean, like throwing just, people around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely crazy sort of stuff. So, so, my uh, money's on Jackson coming back, Farmer coming back. I, you know, Farmer is a third year guy. It's possible, but I think he comes back. I think Patrick Payton comes back. I think those are the three that are definites. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Fisk and Fabian were playing football in 2019. So yeah. even with that COVID year, that's, that's, that's all folks. Uh, Christian glass. Sorry, Ira. I'm, I'm co-hosting there. I'm, I'm moderating. I say I'm really not co-hosting. I was pulling up the questions. I love these. So I have to bring them up. We'll just, we'll keep it like 60 seconds. We'll keep it moving. But Christian glass wonders, what happens to the playoff picture if one loss Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, especially if Texas were to win out? You do like this stuff. I love. I it. don't love this stuff. I'm not a big hypotheticals guy because I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to focus on things I know where I, uh, you know, that are tangible. Uh, you have any thoughts on that? Because I'm, I'm, and I'm when it comes to that stuff, like sports writers in the old days before the BCS or even or before. Uh, the playoffs certainly. If you if you were at a bar with a bunch of sports writers, probably after any time after like mid October, they would all just start talking about the bowl picture, and like you got fifteen sports writers and you'd get fifteen different opinions about. I mean, this team's going to go to this bowl. This team's going to go to that bowl. This team, oh, they can't go to that bowl because they're paired with this bowl. And this, and I would always just sit there and just drink my beer. Yeah. So I'm I'm not a great uh, helper in this one, Asla. No, you're right, man. Um, I, I think one loss Bama would get in. SEC champion is getting in. The SEC championship is champion is getting in. The Big Ten. So champion, I've heard. I've heard some people chatter that maybe the SEC could get left out, but you don't think so? Not a one loss champ. No, uh, not a one loss champion. Um, not a brand like Alabama. Like if if Ole Miss were to somehow like if if, if Alabama loses to LSU, Ole Miss wins the West. They beat Georgia. Um, right. then maybe, you know, maybe, oh, the Ole Miss brand's not good enough and Georgia just lost and they don't have Brock Bowers or something. The Texas one is what scares me. I, I undefeated Florida state is absolutely safe. One loss Florida state. Then you start needing the PAC 12 champ to have two losses, which could happen. Um, I think the big 10 champion is going to make it ahead of you. I think the SEC champion makes it ahead of you. But I mean, if Texas has one loss and it's only to Oklahoma and they revenge, they avenge that loss. Um, I, I get nervous because their quality of loss to Oklahoma versus whoever you would lose to here in the next five weeks is probably not nearly as comparable, but that's yeah. more than a minute. I'm sorry. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, Keith Quaz. I want to see Kaziah Holmes more. He runs with authority and hits the hole quick. Your thoughts. He looked good. That was interesting. I, I want to go back and watch it again. Um, I have not, I've watched, I went back and watched some parts of the condensed game, by the way, is there anything that's done? Is there any better idea in the world, but poor, more poorly executed than the condensed games? Here's the kickoff. I, I mean, I'm watching seven. I'm watching. It's got to be a bot, right? There's no way a human being's deciding because I'm watching the one this morning from today, and it's like they don't show maybe like a fourth and one, but then they show 25 seconds pass. of a celebration or an incomplete pass. It's like what? It's more anyway. Uh, I always try to do it as a shortcut and I realize this doesn't work. I need to watch, but, um, 
Yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, Rodney Hill and Kazai Holmes, to me, are more upfield rushers than, Trey, you know, Trey, you know, feels like he's got to get going. You know, it, t- Trey to me, like, t- Trey, the, it kind of reminds me of, like, the old school, like, toss sweeps. I mean, it's just like, man, get him going, get those guards pulling, and it's just like, man, and he's going to just mow down people. And your worst case scenario is a four-yard gain. Um, so it seemed like in that game, because they were getting some penetration from Duke that maybe it suited Kaziah and Rodney more because they're, they're much quicker hitters. It's like what Trey Sean was probably better at last year. Um, so that's just like thinking back on the game and how it played out. Maybe that's why they went to Kaziah and Rodney Hill. Cause they both had a lot of carries, but I, I, I do want to watch it again to kind of see if that's really what happened. Z Chan agrees with you. Doesn't like talking about these hypotheticals. <laughs> yeah, I also think I mean this kind of short changes train. I don't mean it to sound that way, but like those big home run runs that he had against Virginia Tech, that's like a that's sloppy pursuit, that's sloppy angles, that sloppy tackle. Like Duke doesn't do that. Like, oh, 100%. Sound. That's a great point. You know, and, and Tom Lang, uh, I meant to text Tom this cuz he nailed something. He nailed a lot of things. He knows a lot of things. His third and Lang pieces. But his third and Lang piece last week about the defense, he had a really good point about Duke avoids giving up those big plays because of the effort that turns a, a what could have been a 20-yard run into a six-yard run. Like the the backside guy's going to come chase you down or, you know, that they're they they might be blocked when you hit the hole, but they're going to get off that block and drag you down before you get low. So no, I think that's a good point. I do think probably the majority of defenses are more prone to it. I mean, I think you got to give Duke credit. Duke's more the exception than the rule, but I do think that's a big part of it for sure. You're right. Um, people asking about the uh, the commentating on the game, but we're we don't we don't we don't get the the privilege of hearing Chris and Kirk on the call. So um, definitely saw see. people complaining about it though. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, something about I don't know this this does um doesn't sound disrespectful to me, but I guess it is the wealth influencer. Uh, why didn't media, all caps, us, we're all one, this is entity, uh, allow the announcers to put that percentage of 43% on national television? I think that was to make the playoff. Uh, they do everything to give FSU no credit. Go no. I mean, does it, I don't know, does it matter? I mean, I, I guess you know, the idea is that, like, if you, yeah, I mean, I guess in 2014, like, we're, the frustration was, because the narrative was being pushed, it felt like the narrative was being pushed by ESPN that in the college football playoff committee, the Florida State wasn't, you know, the whole game control thing, that they weren't as good as they're just being undefeated. So there was talk, you felt, I mean, it felt like a real legitimate concern that Florida State, despite being the defending national champion, despite having the reigning Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, despite having a team filled with NFL potential, and, and despite not losing a game, there was a concern that could they get left out? I mean, that was a real like discussion. Um, so I understand why you, you'd be concerned about the narrative. Um, but I think the way college football is going, man, I think that like we've said, I mean, I think they're going to get in if they, as long as they're undefeated. Now, if they get a loss, I guess that's when you get into the, the politicking and, and, and perceptions and all that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, and again, I didn't see the broadcast, so I can't speak to it, but um, I, I felt like going into that game, Duke was going to be the darling of that game because they're Duke and everybody loves an underdog and Riley Leonard was playing hurt. 
Um, so I'm sure that's how it played out. Jeffrey Welch, sorry if already asked any word on Johnny. About I'll ask you this. Uh, there's a lot of people on the warchant.com tribal council, which you, if you're watching us on YouTube, there's like, uh, you can join us for a dollar a month, I think. Two, a dollar for oh, two, two months. months for the YouTube folks. So come over just for you folks. Take a chance. A lot of people on the tribal council think that not only last night, but also two weeks ago against Virginia Tech, lower body injuries were sustained by Johnny Wilson and nothing else. I don't agree with that, but there's like kind of like a growing sentiment on, on one of the threads. It's got multiple pages that, what are you talking about? Johnny's just tweaked his knee twice. I don't agree with that. Do you, what did you see? You don't have to, I mean, yeah, I don't know for sure. We can't, you know, but it looked like he shook his head and he certainly fell kind of head first on that hit last night. The first game, I didn't get a great view of it. Um, I know some people were debating, um, but you know, Last night, I mean, he definitely was woozy. I mean, he like kind of shook his head. And so uh, I did talk to somebody around the program last night who felt like uh, the initial, you know, and they didn't tell me what the injury was because nobody, Mike Norvell is not going to let anybody tell anybody injury information. But then this was person not in the team. It was just part of the athletic department. They said that they were hearing that the initial tests were good, that, you know, it's not going to be a, a long-term thing. Well, you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I didn't, to me, it looked like he was woozy. So, which is worse, man. Like, that's the thing. Like I, you know, I think there was a time where we all thought that, you know, you, you, it's easier to come back from something like that than a, than an ankle or a knee or whatever. And it's like, man, to me, I mean, as a human being that has empathy, uh, that's like the worst thing. Um, you know, you don't want to see head injuries. So hopefully, hopefully that if it was that, it wasn't a big deal. And hopefully he's fine because man, he was awesome. That's, it's going to get lost in that game because it wasn't, it was when they weren't playing great. But man, he was kind of keeping them in that game, right? I mean, he he was incredible in the first half. Um, there's a little, little snipe at Chris Fowler. Do you know, by the way, Ira, that uh, I don't remember doing. It. I didn't go back to listen to, it, but somebody made a comment on it, so I'll I'll believe them. I think I called uh, the Syracuse quarterback Thomas Schrader during the War Chant report, powered by Cummins. Oh, okay. my bad. I think we all knew I meant Garrett Schrader, but I guess when you're on national television and maybe you do it's it worse. twice, um, it's Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis. I guess, you know, that's uh, even the both initials aren't right, but he did that twice. Like, it's a mistake, yeah. everybody. Like it's, it's not, he's not, you know, it's not showing disrespect to Jordan. I mean, maybe it sounds disrespectful that he doesn't know the, uh, uh, the quarterback's name of the, of the game he's calling. I can get that, but like, it's, you know, they got a lot going on up there. There's a lot of stuff going on, spotters and sheets and everything. It's, we're not trying to, you know, be disrespectful. Yeah. But no one likes yeah. so I get it, I guess. Yeah, and I, he's not a very good – I don't think he's a very good college football play-by-play guy. I think – and, I mean, part of it is those guys are so spread out. They do so much stuff that, I mean, I almost think you're better off with somebody who actually, like, isn't big time because then they're going to probably put a little bit more homework into it. Yeah. Uh, but he knows who Jordan Travis is. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'll uh... – Look at our guy, Zach Ferris here, late to the party. Has a playoff picture been discussed yet? Uh, scrub back it. five minutes, Zach. Scrub back five minutes, big dog. Get Aslan's uh, opinion. Jonesy, 1323 with 10 bucks in the jar. Thanks, Jonesy. Thanks. Appreciate you, man. Just want to say I'm thrilled. All caps. This team is 7-0. and Are they playing perfect football? No. 
but they are playing winning football. Love the heart they show every week. Go Knowles. Amen. Practical response. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, yeah, and I think, you know, and again, like we're, we've been living in this digital world now for 30 years. I mean, like, you know, internet message boards. I mean, you've been on message boards since probably the mid nineties. I mean, I have the you know, social media mid late nineties. You were, you were 2002, man. All right. All right. That was your first, th- that was your first experience with a message board. It might yeah, have been, you were young, you were a young pup. Um, I mean, by the mid to late 1990s, I mean, I, you know, whether fantasy sports, whatever you're on the message board world for over 20 years, social media has been around for I don't know, 15 years ish, Twitter in 2009, Facebook before that. I guess we should just understand now that like it is usually the probably the vote not assume that the vocal people that are on social media and message board just like it's talk radio back in the day they don't represent the whole fan base but but it it is hard sometimes man when you get on the message boards you read Twitter and you see people complaining it makes you feel like I can only imagine what the team and the players and their families must think because it feels like man are are you not appreciating this cuz this is this is pretty cool, man. You're seven and zero. Again, there's a bunch of teams that probably are as talented or not. I mean, USC is is a train wreck right yeah. now. Bad. Um, bad, bad, bad. So it's. Uh, I mean, I, I I think more people appreciate it what the season's been than we than we think because I think we we focus on and at some point we'll learn, but maybe we won't. Yeah. Double D Supreme four bucks coming our way. Thanks, Double Thanks. D. Thanks, Doug. Is Lawrence Tofili having a breakout year? Go Knowles. I have a, I, I've, I've can't repent enough. Um, I have, I have short sold Lawrence Tofili at every turn I've had in the four years he's been at Florida State. Man, he just makes crucial, yeah. spectacular, game changing plays. The one on Saturday, maybe not game changing, but that was the dagger. Right. Um, yeah, breakout. I guess. I don't know if the nation yeah, knows no. enough about him, but I mean, he's, he sold me on, on being a legitimate uh, important part of the machine here. Yeah. That's, it's hard to qualify breakout. Like you said, um, but for, from the Florida state fan base perspective, I think you'd say, right. Cause I mean, it seemed like in the past, you know, he'd had that when he had the touchdown against Clemson up there where he spun over the guy and that felt like so out of the blue and so just like flukish. Yeah, flukish, and and it did. It wasn't something you could count on, um, you know. And he's had other plays here or there, but now it feels like he's a real part of the offense. I mean, it feels like he's, and it's not a traditional role where he's going to get the ball twenty times. But man, yeah, he definitely has some impact plays, and he's got really good speed and um, I think underrated toughness. So uh, yeah, he's a nice piece, really nice piece. I feel like that win was indicative of the fact that this team has like a they've kind of pieced together um a lot of nice pieces um to to make it work they it, it feels weird that they're so specialized almost like i yeah. i love the the you know the obviously we all do like the 2013 i just love the fact like you knew who your three receivers were all the time like it didn't matter like you knew who the three guys were meanwhile like it's third and four and like darion williamson and jakai douglas run on the field and you're like what like why <laughs> But they convert like they've they've run a package. There's something they like about the look that they get with those guys out there and they convert it. So it's like, all right, man, like I get it. Like, I, I don't think I'd want to be that. I don't want to say dependent, but like have that many tricks in the bag. But man, they've they've got so many different looks and sub packages, but they work. So it's hard to really argue against it. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. Tommy Jenkins, five bucks in the jar. Thanks, Tommy. Right. Uh, the offense, defense, and special teams, I believe, are ranked in the top 15. The defense gives up about 19 points per game. Adam Fuller can't be that bad. Uh, this is another one, man, where I like, again, I posted a story today. I wrote a story. If you're a War Chance subscriber, you can go read it uh, about the defense and about, you know, kind of, um, you know, it's a pretty cool story. I thought Braden Fist's story was pretty good after the game talking about at halftime. Uh, the defense hadn't played terribly in the first half. The ten, 10 of the 20 points were on the offense. One was a pick six and then a field goal. I think Duke got six yards or seven yards on their field goal drive. Uh, that was the one where, you know, FSU went for it on their own 36. Um, so really they had given up 10 points. They did give up a couple of long drives, one that went about 60 yards, one that went about 50 yards. Um, so that wasn't great. But again, at halftime, you could have made the case that the defense was playing fine, but, you know, Braden Vista that, you know, they were furious at halftime and that, you know, Fabian Lovett stood up and was like, this isn't us. We're not going to let this happen again. They're not doing anything in the second half. And sure enough, you know, they start off second half with a three and out. Um, and then, you know, they knock out Riley Leonard and then they, they cruise from there. So, I mean, it was a, um, it was a good defense performance, but I, anyway, I wrote that story. And then of course, you know, half the responses on our message boards, which I shouldn't let bother me as I'm trying, I'm trying so hard um, are like, Oh, you know, the media is always going to apologize for Adam Fuller. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It would have been better if they had not let the guy get a 44 yard touchdown run for sure. That's that, that's not good. We can criticize him or the players are both for that play, but overall, you know, this is four games in the last four games. They've allowed seven. The defense has allowed seven points in the last four games in the second half combined. Clemson scored seven points in the second half. Virginia Tech's only points in the second half came on offense or on, on their defense against FSU's offense or yeah. And then, uh, okay. Yeah. The kickoff return. I'm sorry. And then uh, Syracuse and uh, Duke didn't score a point in the second half. So that's good. I mean, I don't know. It's good. I'm struggling as I'm struggling with like, it's hard to communicate with a group of people because you know, everybody's got a different perspective, but those of you who, who are like that, who was, who was that? Tommy was, who was that last Tommy? We need more Tommies. Just take the streets, get on the message boards, get on social media. If you feel like this defense is not bad, now I'm Fuller's doing an okay job. Get out there, push back a little bit. Uh, Somebody commented. I don't, I don't, I mean, things you want to maybe get upset about Fuller. I mean, they called the timeout on that, that weird substitution right. play there. I mean, like, okay, that one, you could tell Mike Norvell was a little bit upset with that on floor, but again, man, like you, yeah. I know Riley Leonard only played like the first two drives of the third quarter or whatever. So that maybe skews it and, you know, whatever Syracuse isn't great, but like man, other teams out there still find ways to score points when they're right. got their guys out there. So uh, everything, you know, is contingent on this offense. I think the defense is doing good enough. If this offense can continue to, to find ways to have Jordan, be a little bit more assertive with his legs, have John and Keon both available and healthy. Um, it'll work itself out. The defense seems to be holding right. its weight enough. It's not like – I don't feel like – there's nobody that I've seen them play or anybody that I could see in the future where I'd be like, man, you'd be scared to put that defense out there against that offense. Yep. Yep. So I think you're, you know, they'll, they'll give you an honest shot. Yeah, I liked Washington, but then I watched – 
watching from last night and i was like eh? i mean i get it I mean, everyone has a bad game it's fine I, I still don't i'm not welcoming washington to come play us in the playoff like i'm not scared about it um but i mean that's they got a really good quarterback and they got really good receivers so at that point it's like what's what's the you know the shame in that you go well arizona state held them it's like well i mean that was an october game coming off a really physical game against oregon you look past them um speaking of michael Penix, i still think he's the odds on favor for the heisman yano Jana, Jana. I'm sorry. Why I say Jana? Soft J. Uh, Jana Waterson. What do you think at this point in the season, Jordan's chances are for winning the Heisman? Doesn't seem to get the hype. I mean, he's in the picture, you know, right? Like he's he's he, he more often than not when you see like the odds put out there or when people put their five or six names or seven names or whatever, he's usually on those lists. He's not one of the front runners uh, because he doesn't have the huge stats, but he's. Um, I think what 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 he's got going for him is two things. One, Florida State keeps winning, and I think as as some of these other people fall by the wayside, that's going to help him. I mean, there's we've already seen in the last few weeks a couple of leading contenders kind of fall by the wayside. So I think Florida he's he's going to, um, you know, as long the as he's player consistent. on that undefeated team, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. got that lane right, I and mean, that lane's available. And if he starts running. And you're probably going to get some good opportunities. I mean, I think they're going to, you know, again, Miami, if they if they can, if Miami can sustain some success and you go out and have a really big game against that Miami defense, which has played well, then, you know, and has played well at times, uh, then, yeah, then that's a, a marquee moment. If you go to Gainesville and have a big game there, if you, the ACC championship game, if you have a big game there. So he's like, to me, he's like, he's lurking. You know, if it was a horse race, he's probably there's the the lead horse, like probably Penix, or you know, maybe like there's a couple horses in the lead, and then he's in that next group. And man, when they come around the stretch, you know, he, he, he's at least in contention, and I think that's where you want to be. I don't. I think last night improved his odds just by virtue of him staying undefeated. Like I don't. He played great, but I don't think it was like a one of those games where everybody in the country is like sharing tweets and like look at what he did. Um, but yeah, but as long as they keep winning, he'll be in that the thick of that. So, um, I, I am, do you think last night improved the odds? Well, I just I'm curious what people were. I, I, I will say this because the one thing I've you know I've heard so much about the broadcast and like the complaints about you know the names being wrong or or the Lack showing too much Riley Leonard or whatever and all that's fine. I'm curious like if they capture the emotions in the second half because my sister who lives up in Boston and does not care about college football at all. She went to a, a, a university in the Northeast that does not have college football. She did not grow up on college football. She doesn't really care about She doesn't at all. Like when I've gone, she lives in Boston. I've gone up there to cover, I don't know, 10, 15, I don't know how many ACC games at Florida State, Boston College. They came in in what, 2004? So I've probably been there, I don't know, like six times, seven times for FSU BC games, or maybe more than that, maybe 10 times. And not once have they wanted to go to a game. Not once. No interest at all. Last night, for whatever reason, it was on, and she was texting me the entire second half. And she loved the way FSU played. She loved Jordan Travis. So I wondered if if maybe when the game, when FSU kind of took over, maybe there was some kind of excitement from the broadcast about Jordan. Uh, again, I didn't see it. Maybe people can help us out. But she was really excited about the way they played down the stretch. So that could have you know, done something a little bit for him. Um, maybe one or two more here. Uh, last one here, actually, Dr. W.C. Partegas. 
think. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. 20 bucks in the jar. Last night was a quality win. Agreed. The team played through mistakes and did not collapse as the fourth quarter door slamming showed. The weekly improvements reflect a great coaching staff and players that are totally engaged. More practical thoughts from the crowd, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Yeah, no, I, I can't agree with that. I mean, I can't disagree with that. I think the, again, you know, like that doesn't mean when you, when you say that, it doesn't mean that there's not things that could get better. Clearly, there are things that could get better. Um, but but that I think to me, that's the that's the whole po- point of that game last night is, and that's what I'm writing about. One of the things I'm writing about my three two one. It was kind of like that was kind of the anatomy of how you were going to lose that game, but they didn't, and they won by 18. So, you know, and I don't think it was I don't think it was all Riley Leonard. And if you watched, you talked about that um, Mike Elko press conference that people are watching on our YouTube channel. Uh, he clearly doesn't think that that's why things went. No, I mean, coach isn't going to make excuses. But uh, well, unless you're Dabo, Dabo. Unless you're Dabo. Uh, man, he just he just I think he just rolled over that kid with his bus one more time. Um, but uh, no, I I I don't think that that I thought Florida State was going to win either way. Now maybe they don't win by eighteen, but I think they win either way. Uh, Island Chief says he watched a game in Seattle with non fans. They enjoyed the second half hour. So there's some more anecdotal right. evidence to back up your sis. Eric Baker, Keon should be a Bolitnikov finalist at minimum. Absolutely agreed. That's rational. That's practical. Um, all right, that's a wrap. We did it. We did it, Ira. We awesome. It. Thanks. Look at Ira. I mean, Ira, all he's got to do, and then on a Sunday, he's got to come hang out with me for an hour, everybody. Give it up for Ira, everybody, one time. One Thank time. you, Aslan. Thank you, Aslan, for running the show, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks to our guy, Russ Voorhis, State Farm agent. Check him out, russvorhis.com. Two locations here in the state of Florida, Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park. He'll give you coverage in the state of Florida, Alabama, Georgia as well. So give Russ a check. He's a, uh, he's a Florida State booster. Good dude. Gene Williams knows him. Gene's awesome. He wouldn't lead you astray. Uh, three, two, one, coming yeah, probably first thing in the morning. Maybe late tonight, but probably first thing in the morning. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of recruiting news on the website. Go to warchant.com. Again, you mentioned the Armando Blunt uh, flipping. That video, I think he spoke. First of all, there was a full reaction. Thought about bringing Michael on the show tonight. We were supposed to have Dominic Robinson on the show tonight, but mm-hmm. he had some flight issues. Uh, thought about inviting Michael, but Michael and Tom already did a reaction video. That's up on the YouTube channel, so people can watch that. Um uh, uh, Blunt uh, talked after Armando Blunt spoke to the media afterwards. So that video is up on the site. We'll have more on that. And then also, uh, yeah, more recruiting coverage. They There were a bunch of guys in town this weekend, so there's more recruiting coverage on the site. Plus, I think Corey's writing a story about Deuce Span and uh, his big night. And then I'll have the 3-2-1 as well. And then tomorrow, got a press, press conference for uh, our trip up to Snuggy Hill. Nooner. Winston-Salem, come hang out with Iron Corey up there for that one. But yeah, press conference, 1130. We'll have all that banging on the website. Jeff Cameron show one to three o'clock as well, right here on Warchant TV and 93.3 terrestrial radio, real talk in Tallahassee. So and wake up War Chant and wake up War Chant. That's true. That's true. Thanks to Doc WC Partegas, uh, Tommy Jenkins, Double D, Garrett, uh, Jonesy, Z Chan, FSU fan 93, Cody, um, and Florida man in Texas, and everybody that uh, was involved Watch. in today's show asking questions. It's really cool. There's seven and everybody top four playoff bound. Let's do it. He's Ira Maslon. Thanks for watching the Sunday smash presented by state farm agent, Russ Voorhees.